It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. Especially when the season get hectic. I stay waiting on it like receiving a Nets pick. Nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth you might even hear a story on Gigi. So in depth they might do an hour about the D-League. So in depth you probably should pay him but it's a freebie. Yeah, John Corrales and J. King. Locked on trying to get the 18th ring. So you can miss me with the blah blah. No more Geno time. We watching Jay do the Zaza. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are the Rain and Jays, John Corrales, Jay King here on a post-game Celtics win game one over the Washington Wizards, 123-111 in a game that they trailed 16 to nothing in a game that looked over eight minutes into it. They came all the way back. Lots of crazy things happening in this game. Isaiah Thomas lost a tooth. The Celtics started hitting threes. Jalen Brown got key fourth quarter minutes out of nowhere. We're going to talk about all of it. Uh, but first things first, Jay, you're there. You, you, you got a sense of how this whole thing went down. First of all, weird 1 o'clock start. The, the arena is not entirely full. The Celtics come out to a 16-0 start. As you're watching the Wizards... Just pile on basket after basket after basket. What's going through your head as you're watching things unfold before you in the garden? Yeah, it it was it was wild because like it was it was probably the quietest I've ever heard the garden, with the exception of like moment of silences. It was totally quiet, not a single sound. And I mean, the Celtics didn't score for the first five minutes. They didn't grab a rebound for the first six oh two. It was as bad a start as they could have had. And then everything totally, totally flipped. And they just mutilated the Wizards the rest of the way. Unbelievable. I, I, I was watching that start and I'm thinking, holy shit, like the you know, you, you had the Isaiah thing getting off the plane at 4 a.m., showing up with, you know, the heaviest of hearts, and you just thought, geez, maybe maybe this is kind of like game one, game two of the Bulls series where they just don't have it, and it's just going to be decimation. And then they just started slowly chipping away. And, you know, in the NBA, there's nothing more meaningless than a first-quarter lead, but going down 16 to nothing is kind of different, but Isaiah pulled that little fouled shooting a three-pointer thing that he, he gets 
that that's just the the biggest source of controversy now in, in the NBA. A lot of a lot of players getting that three point foul shot thing uh, like he does, and just slowly they chipped away. And I think in the first quarter, the difference and and really what saved the game immediately was Kelly Olynyk coming in. And I know he was not playing great defense, but his offense was so good that he saved the game in the first quarter. Yeah, he was huge. The Wizards had nobody to match up with Kelly Olynyk, And so Brad played Kelly, I believe it was at power forward next to Amir Johnson. And the Wizards had like Kelly Oubre on him. And he was just beating him down low, spotting up for threes. He had a great, great first half. It kind of settled them down. And then their offense was just unbelievable. Just just stunning offense for the last, what was it, 30, 40-some-odd minutes, whatever it was. Yeah. It was one three-pointer, wide-open three-pointer after the next. The, the, the minutes are starting to pile up now for the Horford at the five lineups in the playoffs. And the numbers are just incredible. When when he's playing alongside Jay Crowder, their offensive rating is 123.4 over the last five games since the lineup changes, which is like that's like the Warriors plus ten. You know, like yeah, that is sick. That is just an outrageous, ridiculous, absurd number, and they're doing it in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, the Bulls had a good defense. The Wizards don't. I don't think they have any answers for that lineup. And if if the Celtics, if they allow the Celtics to get that type of rhythm, then I, I don't think I don't think the Wizards can really stop them. I don't think they can really stop the Wizards either. So this is going to be like a an up and down, fast paced, shoot a ton of threes, score uh, scoring on each side type of series. It it, it could be fun. Could be yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I think the Celtics though have the ability to play defense for long enough stretches where that that could that could be where they win games. You look at the first quarter they gave up thirty eight points, which is obviously horrible. But then over the second and third quarters they gave up forty two points in those two quarters combined, which was amazing because that's where they won the game. The third quarter they ran away with it, and, but I I don't think the Wizards can lock down the way the Celtics can lock down. And I, I don't know what the Celtics are going to do to start the game uh, moving forward. Gerald Green started, but that ended quickly. And then in the third quarter, Brad Stevens started Marcus Smart. So I wonder what the Celtics are going to do. If the Celtics are just going to go with the uh, that your IT and D lineup just to start, just get it out of the way early, or is, is he going to try to do something different with the bench? I, I don't know what's going to happen there, but I think however Brad Stevens plays it, he's going to he's going to be able to put good defensive lineups out there where the Wizards, I don't think they, they have the ability to do that, especially if Markeith Morris is hurt or limited. He's, you know, that, that ankle sprain looked bad. That, and he yeah, said after and, the game, he, it was the worst he's ever had. Yeah, and and he said he's going to play in game two. Even if he does, it's hard to see him being effective. He said it swelled up the size of a softball. It like that was a bad, bad ankle sprain. And and without him, it's like they, first of all, there's a big drop off from him to Ubre, who started the second half. Second of all, they have no big 
and depth. Jan Mahinmi was out today. Jason Smith is still hobbled by an injury and isn't very good in the first place. Like, they just have no front court depth. They don't have any other real options. And then when Ubre's out there, like he was in the second half a lot, you have somebody to hide Isaiah Thomas on defensively. So, like, like when that backcourt is fully intact and it's Wall and Beal and Otto Porter, there's no real place to put Isaiah Thomas where where his size doesn't matter. But but when he's able to just hide on Kelly Oubre, that's not a big deal. Like, Oubre had a fine offensive game, but... Like you can live with Kelly Oubre getting shots. You, he's not going to kill you on the glass either. He is not. He's the type of guy you, you can you can slide Isaiah on and, and be comfortable with it. So so that that's just a huge huge loss for the Wizards. It hurts some of their physicality. It hurts their their depth. It hurts. It just hurts a lot. And if if he's out, if he's limited, that's 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 a big issue for them. Yeah, it's it's very similar to the Rondo injury for the Bulls in that. It's at a position where they don't have much depth, and the options behind well, him well, are bad. They don't have much depth anywhere. Like right. their starting lineup is it. Right. That's that's and and when when Sam and I were talking in the preview podcast, the bench was a big a big thing, but it's especially bad for them at that position. And if they lose. Morris for any stretch of time, or even if he's out there and he's not a hundred percent, which there's no way if I've sprained my ankle a million goddamn times there, if that, if it's swelled that much and the way that thing was at like a 90 degree angle, I don't care how many times you've done that's bad. And there's no way you're going to be able to get any good lateral movement uh, off of that, that ankle. So when you are, if, if he's out there, then you just drive and what was it? His left ankle, right? Yeah, left. His left ankle. So that means he's not going to be able to push off and move to his right, which means you drive left on him all day long because he's not going to be able to stay with you. That's If he's out there, that's what you do. And there you hit him with picks. You do all these things to just hit that. Now it's a weak spot. But again, going back to the Rondo example, now, obviously, Rondo with the thumb, you couldn't put him out there, but you don't have any other options. If you if they could have put Rondo out there at 50%, he's still better than Michael Carter-Williams was. If you put Mar- Markeith Morris out there at less than 100%, that's still probably a better option than some of the other things that you could throw out there. So that's a big deal. Not that, And, and I see how people acted on Twitter like, oh, Markeith Morris going down. That's like he's a Hall of Famer. But the matchup requires a healthy Markeith Morris because the Celtics have a strength there in Crowder and Horford and and Morris gives them a level of toughness with the bigs that they can't replicate anywhere else. So that hurts. That hurts them a lot. Yeah, that that that's that that really is uh, I mean that that's a serious changer if if he can't come back and be fully healthy. And and honestly the way it looked, I I fully doubt that that he will will do it and and that doesn't take anything away from what the Celtics did. They were just offensively. It was it was beautiful basketball. It was Isaiah cracking through the defense. It was the ball whipping around. It was Al Horford completely stretching out Marsan Gortat just just ruining him. Th- that that pick and roll combo was just crushing Marsan yep. Gortat and I, I know he had a ton of offensive rebounds I know he scored a lot of points in the paint especially early but 
he was still a net negative for the Wizards, I thought, because the Celtics just picked on him. And and that's the thing about this Wizards team. Like they're they're great offensively. Their their starting lineup is fantastic. When when you have like when you you're when the Celtics are picking on a weakness like that, they don't have any other options. Like they don't have any depth where they can say, okay, well this big like like Brad Stevens when their big lineup wasn't working, he decided, okay, let's go small. Uh, and the Wizards don't have that type of flexibility because they don't have the depth. So, I, I mean, I, I see Gortat being an issue for them all series, kind of like Lopez became an issue for the Bulls in round one. Mm-hmm. I think the Celtics are going to score a ton of points in this series, but but again, like, so are the Wizards. <laughs> this yeah, is, right, it, right. It, it, it was, like, like, tough to take a breath while I, while I was writing my game recap because it was like, one team came down, buzzed into the lane, and got an open shot. And then the next came down, same thing. It was it was really fun basketball. It, it's going to be an entertaining series. And I, I think Scott Brooks said it better. He's like, it's even if these teams don't like each other, it's not going to be 90s basketball out there. And and he said that's a good thing because now it's like beautiful basketball. Teams are have skill and stuff. Yeah. And and these two teams are are really skilled teams with awesome point guards who get into the middle, break down everything, and find open shots for their guys. And bo- both these teams had a lot of open shots today. Yeah, and, you know, for the Celtics, to borrow the phrase from Doc Rivers, it's a make-miss league, and they made their shots. They made a lot of their shots. They made thirteen. I mean, 19 of 39 three-pointers for 48.7%. After shooting horribly in the Bulls series, they finally found their shot. Jay Crowder, let's just talk about Crowder for a second. Six of eight. Dudley game. He, this was exactly what we needed from him. Now, no one's going to shoot six of eight and, and shoot 75% from three for, for the series. But he found his shot after shooting 20-something percent in, in the first round. It was really great to see that see him come out and, and not only hit – threes clutch threes in the fourth quarter he had a couple of big ones it's really just an awesome game from Crowder yeah you know who else was huge in the that third quarter run Celtics went they they outscored the Wizards 36 16 in the third quarter just just trounced them and Avery Bradley was a defensive monster oh like he ripped John Wall he ripped Bradley Beal you're not supposed to be able to rip guys that are that good, but <laughs> but Bradley does it pretty routinely, and he and Smart really really turned up the defensive pressure. I thought in that third quarter, and I mean, Wizards only had 16 points. They started turning the ball over after really taking care of the ball in the first half. The Celtics just just went to another level, and and the Wizards couldn't respond. They, they, it was that third. Uh, it, it really was. It was it, it was one of the mo- most stunning switches from from 16 down and literally like like you could hear a person whispering from across the stadium in the garden <laughs> and and then all of a sudden it was just a rush and it started with the bench it started when John Wall was out of the game and then the Wizards just couldn't turn off the Celtics they they couldn't turn off that faucet yeah it, it's funny we've seen that happen to the Celtics so many times this year when they had the second quarters, how many second quarters have we we seen the Celtics just fall apart and never be able to get it back again? And it's it's kind of funny being on the other side of it this time around because, like I said, second quarters have been our Achilles heel for so much of the season. 
it's weird to see it not be the case that the Celtics use the big second quarter to to come back and get back into a game. And then that third quarter was just a bloodbath. So the defense like, – Avery Bradley is one of those guys that when, when, when I look at this game, I immediately want to say – you know Isaiah for you know thirty three points, big performance, nine assists. He had some amazing passes. Getting off the plane at four a.m., coming back from his sister's funeral to do what he did is absolutely mind boggling. Uh, Al Horford had an amazing game. He had just I mean a perfect game. I think Crowder was huge. We talk about all these guys, and you forget that Avery Bradley had eighteen points. Five rebounds, four assists, four steals, and all with foul trouble. So Avery Bradley once again gets a little bit overlooked, but uh, he he was awesome defensively. Like you said, just a joy to watch. Yeah, yeah, he was. He really turned it up, and he has turned it up for for several games. His, these playoffs, he has been just on another level, and he didn't shoot well for a while. I thought he took a couple of of bad shots. Off the dribble early in the early going when things were going poorly for the Celtics, but but man, man was he great in that third quarter? It was that third quarter was just an absolute <laughs> clinic. They were getting whatever the hell they wanted. Anything and and Al Horford at the five is like it's funny because there's the the thought that he prefers to play the four and. And that his rebounding is this huge issue. And his rebounding is an issue. Like, obviously, you saw Gortat sure. smack him. Smack him around a little bit downside, down, down inside. But the way that they have played offensively, and whether it's with Marcus Smart in the lineup, Gerald Green in the lineup, and Al Horford at five, Jay Crowder at four, has just been amazing. It doesn't matter. Like, it's it's just opened everything up. The Celtics are getting anything they want, and they didn't hit threes for a couple of games against Chicago, like you said, but they were getting every single shot that they wanted. And ever since that move, they've gotten every single shot they've wanted. It's, it's really been incredible the way they played on offense. And and I, I tweeted something like kind of a joke about Gordon Hayward, about how they're showing him yeah. how fun it would be to to slide him into the starting lineup. But But think about how good... And I, obviously, we're not going to dwell on this right now, but but like they're starting Gerald Green, and that lineup is unstoppable. Like imagine <laughs> someone like Gordon Hayward no, sliding him in there; it would just be awesome. And so I, I do I do wonder if they've kind of figured out the blueprint for maximizing this group moving forward, and and going small and just becoming an offensive juggernaut because. Obviously, when Isaiah has skill around him and shooting and and Horford, who is just dynamite in the pick and roll when he's at the five, it is so tough to stop the Celtics. It really it, it really is. And and like you said, you don't want to dwell on it. It's a, a podcast for another time. But you can slide Crowder over to the four and play, you know, uh, you can every th- there's a lot of versatility in that because Crowder can play the three or the four. Hayward can play the two or the three. There, there, are, there are players, you can do a lot of different things with those guys. It's a very, you know, highly switchable type of defense and a, I mean, with that level of shooting, Jesus, that would be amazing. But Horford at the five just opens a lot of things up, especially in these matchups 
against Gortat and against Robin Lopez in the last series. These are big, more traditional bigs that are not going to be very effective patrolling the perimeter. And Al Horford is very effective on that perimeter. His passing is just gorgeous sometimes. The passes that he made, a couple of those entry passes that he made to Kelly Olynyk were unreli- unbelievable. Uh, so with his level of skill, with his level of passing, his his ability to put the ball on the floor, and it just it works. It just works. And now I was really nervous coming into this series, especially again with the Morris injury, knowing what that does to their depth. I if if this team keeps going this way, uh, I, I really really like their chances in this series now. And it may not it may not go the seven games that I thought it would. You're starting to get a little confident there. Look, the Celtics won't look as good when they don't hit 19 threes. They it's they true. won't look as good when Jay Crowder isn't six for eight. Like Isaiah hit uh, five out of nine, I think. So if the shooting when the shooting goes down, they won't look nearly as good. But like five games now with Al Horford at the five against a traditional center, whether it's Robin Lopez or Marcin Gortat, five games now, and they're just getting tons and tons and tons of open three-pointers. They're taking 38 three-pointers per game yeah. <laughs> since those lineup changes. And and that sounds like a crazy number, but that's a perfect number. I, I mean, when you're getting that many three-point attempts and, and that many tries for an extra point on, on buckets – it's it's just like it's how how basketball is is becoming and like the future of the sport is getting all these open three point looks and and knocking some of them down and and that's what the Celtics have done and their shot profile over the last five games it couldn't be much better they're getting everything they want I I can't stress that enough like these small lineups are just really really working guys over and the bench when Isaiah Thomas is on the on the bench. It's been continuing the scoring, so so the the changing changing in the rotation, and it it's been really good. And then out of nowhere, Stevens calls on Jalen Brown when things get <laughs> tight in the fourth quarter, and Jalen Brown some huge plays down the stretch. Yeah. It was that was impressive because that's a rookie, a twenty year old kid mm-hmm. who got yanked out of the rotation for the first time really all year in the middle of playoffs gets shoved back into the fourth quarter drills a three goes into the paint has a nice kick out to jay crowder and then cuts for another bucket later yeah i mean th- some some balls on that kid for that that show that was that was really really impressive he, he was a plus eight in that quarter uh five points a couple of rebounds and assists really just solid heads up play and i remember when, when when Brad Stevens put him in there, I was like, really? And then he said afterwards, he said, yeah, he he was looking at film and thought that Jalen had done a pretty good job on Bogdanovich and said, yeah, I'm going to go with it because Bogdanovich had suddenly gotten hot and scored 10, 10 quick points in that quarter. And I was yeah. like, oh, plus, shit. Plus, it looked like Marcus Smart was losing his head. He was. He absolutely and, was. He was terrible at and the start Steve- of the fourth. Stevens decided, you know what, we got to go away from Marcus, 
and yeah. <laughs> and oh yeah, ballsy. don't we have a don't we have a don't we have a twenty year old lottery pick over there down there somewhere <laughs> on the bench? That's ballsy and, for Brad Stevens. That really is ballsy, and, and it's it's a good you know that that's a good coach. Just understanding that Marcus Smart at the beginning of the fourth quarter was was all of a sudden terrible. And now I, I'll say this: the 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 lineup he threw out there, Stevens, at the beginning of the fourth quarter was just dreadful. And I'm glad that he recognized that and he made some quick changes. But that lineup was partly responsible for letting the uh, the Wizards back into it. They had Smart, Rozier, Jarebko, Olenek, and Gerald Green, who, look, Smart's had a really great, you know, not a really great playoffs, but really good playoffs, and obviously he makes great plays. Rozier has been uh, amazing for hip for Rozier in the playoffs. Olenek, we've talked about. Jarebko is kind of whatever hit or miss. Gerald, individually, these guys have been good, but that group that he threw out there was just not good at all, and good on Brad Stevens for kind of making up for his mistake and 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 coming up with a different uh, a different solution. And Jalen Brown, out of nowhere, is part of that solution. Jalen Brown, <laughs> that was that really was. It was like okay, Celtics go down sixteen, come flying back, sink all these three pointers. Then Bogdanovich takes over out of nowhere. <laughs> then Jalen Brown comes back to save the Celtics. It was like, huh? What, <laughs> what the hell is game. going on right now? This is a wild. And, game. You know, you got you go down sixteen nothing. Isaiah Isaiah's tooth comes flying out. You got. Fourth quarter, Jalen Brown. You've got Bogdanovich got our being pets' awesome. heads falling off. It's unbelievable. I mean that that really was. I mean, I'm sure Wizards fans don't agree with this, but that really was a fun game, uh, especially when you're on the winning side. That was just a wild, fun roller coaster ride. Yeah, yeah, it, <laughs> it was funny. I, I made the mistake. So Mike Zarin was walking by me in the hallway at, at halftime. And he said, "Weird half, huh?" <laughs> and I said, "I, <laughs> I said, yeah, fun half." And he, he looked at me like I was crazy, you know. Like, <laughs> I was like, "Whoops, wrong guy to say that to." <laughs> his, team, his team's out at halftime, but but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Uh, it's funny. Uh, I, quickly before we move on here, I, I do want to give a shout out to Terry Rozier for a really just solid game that guy was chomping glass out there eight rebounds just really doing a great job all around for a guy that we thought might just be done after the regular season a bunch of dnps in the playoffs and let's pick it up next year he's been really good in these playoffs for you know in in the role that he's been asked to to provide, he's he's done a really good job. So I want to make sure that he yeah. gets the proper credit. Is it? And we should we should probably we should probably give Al Horford some more praise too. No, Al Horford because... was I, I like I said before that I can't imagine a more perfect Al Horford game. He was just an amazing game from him. Yeah, he was he was fantastic, and it's his versatility that that has unlocked all these small lineups and and made them so so tough to guard because you know in the past it's like you did those small lineups and and you had either Amir Johnson at center or Jared Sollinger at center or Kelly Olynyk who's not nearly as dynamic a playmaker and not nearly as, as versatile a defender so 
he he really has unlocked a lot of a lot of different lineup possibilities for the Celtics and it's it's so funny because their small lineups were so bad for so much of the season and Brad Stevens kept going to him and kept going to him and people were like when is Brad going to realize the IT and D lineup stinks well the IT and D lineup has been incredible <laughs> and all the small lineups have just stood as tall as possible during the playoffs and and they've changed everything it it's like uh, Brad said at this at, at a practice toward the end of the season he said normally when you think a lineup should work it's going to work if you give it enough time and the sample size is big enough so I just kept going to it and and now it really is wow like they they've they figured it out that 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 group is just playing some some really really awesome offensive basketball yeah I, I thought it was interesting after the game when Al Horford brought up the uh, when you're a new player it takes a while to get used to things for him to be saying that in game one of the second round of the NBA playoffs is really interesting because it was unprompted no one asked him about his comfort level they asked him I forget what exactly what the question was but he could have given any other answer and he still brought that up. So that says a lot about him being comfortable in, in his role and all of the things that he was asked to do. Uh, oh, he was asked about whether he was being more aggressive and he was, he was consciously trying to score more because he has scored a lot more in the playoffs. He's done a lot more. I think it's interesting that he's still – kind of in that, well, they need me to do this, they need me to do that, and, and whatever. So it, sometimes it just takes longer. And, and now they've moved him to the five, and it, it just feels like that move has, has, is what's made things click. So if, he keeps, if Al Horford keeps playing like this, then that will raise the games of everybody else. And I don't want to get you, – you're right. I was getting a little – maybe a little too confident, feeling myself a little bit too much. Washington can still be really, really good. John Wall is an amazing player. Bradley Beal was, I felt like Bradley Beal is starting to fuel a big comeback. And, you know, Mark Gortat can be a problem on the boards. Porter has been, you know, he's in the running for most improved player. There's a lot of talent on that team. So I don't want to, I don't want to overreact to one game. But if Al Horford is able to do what he's done in this game and in the past few games in, in Chicago, if this is going to be the guy he's going to be, then I, it's going to be tough to beat the Celtics. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 not going to be easy. They're they're <laughs> playing some good hoops. It, it's so funny how different the conversation is now than it was after two games of the Chicago Bulls oh, series. Yeah. You know, yeah, like like just <laughs> how different they've played over the last five games. And I, I think a lot of that has to go to all those small lineups. And even today, like new series, Amir Johnson was minimized. They, they rarely played Jonas Jerebko. Obviously Tyler Zeller didn't play They're They're still sticking mostly with skilled lineups and the small lineups. And those have been really good so far. And, and they're going to need it to, because the wizards are, man, they're tough. Uh, they, really they I, I tweeted this. They don't play the same sport as the Bulls. Like, the, <laughs> no, they don't. The Bulls are plotting. They have no spacing. They, it's like it's it's painful for them to get open shots. And then the Wizards come by, and John John Wall just zooms into the middle, and boom, someone's open on the perimeter. And 
Bradley Beal, you know, makes makes one move and boom, he's open for a jumper. So, so it's a lot, lot, lot easier for these guys to score than it is for the Bulls. So the, the Celtics are going to have to really score some points to to win in this series. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely true. Wall is just freakishly good. 16 assists today, 20 points, 16 assists. Uh, he had eight turnovers. Uh, but those weren't those weren't cheap turnovers. Those were those were really good defense by the Celtics. Uh, and he could have he could have done a lot more. But Marcus Smart had a few insane blocks in this game, like out of nowhere, block shots on Wall. Uh, again, Bradley's D. But those guys can get going real fast. And so uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I said in the preview. If this goes seven games, I wouldn't be surprised if it just becomes home home team wins. They're a different team in Washington, so I don't want to get I don't want to get too crazy, uh, but still nice to see. Fall has arrived at J.C. the perfect time to refresh your home. From now until Sunday, get up to fifty percent off select comforter sets, furniture, and the most comfortable mattresses from top brands like Tempur-Pedic, Sealy, Beautyrest, and more. And save fifty to sixty percent on select sheet sets, plus an extra fifteen percent with your coupon on select home items. Hurry and soon. That's getting your pennies worth. J.C. Penny coupon valid nine twenty eight to ten nine on select home items, furniture, and mattresses. Price is valid nine twenty eight to ten one. Selections vary by store while supplies last. Fitting on regular and original prices. Intermediate markdowns may have been taken. Some exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. Okay, that's game one. Let's, before we wrap this up, we have to acknowledge, and this is, this is like an emotional moment for me, that Paul Pierce's NBA career is over. The Clippers lost game seven to Utah, uh, 104-91. Paul Pierce played 21 and a half minutes, scored six points on two of four shooting one of three from three, he hit a free throw, three rebounds, an assist, and a steal. And that's it for Paul Pierce's NBA career. That is a wrap. And it's hard to put into words. This might need to be its own show at some point. Because Paul Pierce is the greatest Celtic of this generation. And he's, you know, every, every decade has its guy. Every generation has its guy. And he, he's the one that followed Larry Burt. He's, he's the truth. He's the legend. He's, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And you know, for it's kind of weird to sit here and say, that's it. There's no more Paul Pierce in the NBA. It, it just, it's a, you know, it's an emotional moment for a Celtics fan. Yeah, to to, to me, uh, honestly, I it doesn't it really it hasn't really hit me, or it it didn't really hit me. Now it kind of hit me w- when he was in Boston, and it was his last time in Boston, and he hit that remarkable shot. Yeah, that that sent the TD Garden crazy, and like we knew he was going to retire at the end of this season. He hasn't played much. He uh, he didn't get that retirement tour like Kobe where he had all the all the adulation like all year so it, I, don't, I don't know it, it it almost feels like like that was his retirement tour and and he kind of ended it that day to, to me like that that's 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 kind of what it felt like that was that was the emotional moment for me because obviously you knew he wasn't going to play much this year you knew the Clippers weren't really going to compete for a title so like I, 
he was just kind of playing out to the end of his career to to me. And but that that day in Boston was was incredible. Yeah. And and that shot was just, <laughs> that was obviously it didn't mean anything. He's hit so many bigger shots. Sure. Really. But but. But uh, we know. the reaction and it was perfect. And the fact that he hit it, he had to hit it because he's Paul Pierce <laughs> and he's the truth. And and obviously he's going to hit the big shot from from exactly where he always wanted it uh, on the wing. And yeah, Paul Pierce, man, it, just a hell of a career. He 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 went from a player who was young, a little immature, to one of the best scorers, most best all-around players in the league finals mvp champion uh, i mean i don't know how many time all-star he was just when he was in his prime that dude was just hell to stop everybody talks about how how damn hard he worked everybody in the celtics organization just loves him so as a person in in addition to obviously as a player so paul pierce man shout out salute salute to the truth yeah uh, you know, I, I think what makes me and I'm going to assume so many people love him because it's that it is that growth. I think that's part of what is so endearing. It's that he came in a certain guy and, you know, we all think back to that ridiculous uh, playoff series against the Pacers where he walked off and he had that bandage around his head. And you know that was that was kind of a low point. He was on that Team USA that that first Team USA I think it was that that completely fell apart. Um, he's he had choices to make, and he made the correct choices. Uh, he made the choices that took him from that brash, young, cocky, kind of immature guy. And he grew up, and he had that that come to Jesus conversation with Doc Rivers. And instead of saying, "I want to get out of here and leave Boston," he decided that he wanted to stay, and he made a commitment to the city, to the the team, the franchise. And you know, the rest, as they say, is history. That the Celtics built around him, and and brought a champion to the you know, the, and even you go way back. I, I mean, obviously, everybody brings it up, but you know. T- the stabbing, you're stabbed eleven times, almost died, and then the next, the next, se- the next two seasons, he played eighty-two games. The next two seasons, that's mind-boggling. It tells you a lot about who he is. So, there's a better time, and, and you're right. After that game, the way he was talking, that that game in Boston was the end of his career in in one in one sense, but. Now it's official. Now there's no any sense. It's done. Paul Pierce is done. So uh, he leaves the game as the NBA's 15th all-time leading scorer, which is amazing. Amazing. Guy scored over 26,000 points. That's hard to do. That is really hard to do. So I uh, just want to say thanks, Paul Pierce. And it's it's kind of sad, and but time moves on. So... Thanks, Paul Pierce. All right. I guess that's a good place to end the show. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you still have your teeth, man? I, I still got all I of mine. I'm, I'm going to pull one just, just because. It seems <laughs> to work for Isaiah. 
I actually, I will say that I did actually once get elbowed in my mouth in a basketball game, and my tooth almost fell out. It got knocked behind another tooth. My front. You probably missed two weeks. No, no. I, dude, come on, come on. I wasn't part of the About That Life podcast, but dude, I'm about that life. Oh please, you were you were you were soft. You were so soft. Uh, could not be farther from the far from the truth. And I'm gonna leave it there. That's how I'm gonna end the show, guys. The truth. Yeah, ended it with the truth. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you are not a subscriber, I will implore you to subscribe to our podcast. Anywhere you find other podcasts, we exist in that same ecosystem. So go to your iTunes, your Google Plays, your Stitchers, your TuneIn app, whatever it is. Search for Locked On Celtics. Click on that subscribe and you will get the show on a daily basis because that's how often we do the show. Or you can follow Rainin underscore Jays on Twitter. That's kind of a sort of way to subscribe. And you can listen to the shows. It'll be tweeted out. If you are a subscriber, you have not rated us five stars. Please do so because that is a very helpful thing. It spreads the word and lets other people find this fine podcasting product. And that grows our audience. And then advertisers give us more money. So you don't have to give us money. The advertisers do it. See? That's how it all works out. Beautiful. As long as I get paid, baby. Give me pay, baby. (laughs) Yes. Pay us, goddammit. All right, Celtics win game one. <laughs> On to game two. We'll be back next time here on the Locked On Celtics podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, Jay King and John Corrales. Locked On Celtics. Millie. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.